The word Genesis means origin. And so it's fitting that Genesis is the first book that we find in our Bible. The main character of the book of Genesis is the God of Israel. And the book is divided into two sections, what we call the primeval history and the ancestral history. The primeval history tells stories about the beginning of God's relationship with humanity. These are the epic and foundational stories that you learned in Sunday school, like the creation of the world, the Garden of Eden, Noah's Ark, the Tower of Babel. I want to point out that Genesis never claims to be a science textbook, even though a certain type of Christianity might have us believe otherwise. As Episcopalians, we believe that science and faith complement one another. Science asks how, religion asks why. Both science and religion are expressions of our human desire to seek what is larger than ourselves. The second half of the book of Genesis is called the ancestral history, and it focuses on God's relationship with the Jewish people. Not long after the story of the great flood, we are introduced to Abram, who is 99 years old. God tells Abram that one day his descendants will outnumber the stars, and then God changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. I really wish that the next verse were included in this morning's reading. Genesis 17, 17 reads, and then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. As the story continues, We learn that Abraham and his 90-year-old wife, Sarah, are finally going to have a child. When Sarah hears about this, she also responds by laughing. Neither can believe it, but God doesn't hold that against them. On the contrary, God tells Abraham and Sarah that they should name their son Isaac. In Hebrew, Isaac means laughter. The Presbyterian minister, Frederick Buechner, writes that faith is laughter at the promise of a child called laughter. He continues, faith is better understood as a verb than as a noun, as a process rather than a possession. It's on again, off again, rather than once and for all. Faith is not being sure where you're going, but going anyway. It's a journey without maps. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. It's an element of faith. In the Book of Joy, the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu put forward eight spiritual practices they believe lead towards a more joyful life. One of these practices is learning to laugh. The theologian Karl Barth is credited with saying that laughter is the closest thing to the grace of God. Anne Lamott calls laughter carbonated holiness. Laughter can be a spiritual experience. A lot of life is really serious business. Frankly, much of it's hard. I get that. But there's a case to be made for lightening up 
when we have the opportunity to. On a biological level, laughing is good for our hearts, lungs, muscles, brains. It relieves stress, pain. Laughing improves our immune system and our mood. Laughing is also a wonderful tool for connecting with each other. When we laugh together, our walls come down. We calm down. We're less defensive. We see each other. If you're willing to share a genuine laugh with someone, then the odds are that you'll hop in and help them shoulder some of the hard stuff too. It's hard to get up from a table and be dismissive of someone that you have just shared a genuine laugh with. I learned not long ago that the words humor, humility, and humanity each share the same root word, humus, which is Latin for soil or earth. Laughter is as natural as the earth under our feet. Laughter also helps ground us in that earth. I just absolutely love this short story about Abraham and Sarah every time it comes around. They couldn't believe their circumstances, and so they laughed. Maybe they thought having a child at their age was funny. Maybe they were just trying to keep from crying. Either way, they remind me that we should not take ourselves so seriously and that a little laughter is good for all of us, even on the second Sunday of Lent. In the name of God, amen.